0: Welcome to the 20 Minutes of Filler podcast. This is episode 16 with a very special guest, Daniel Solis. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that I am Jason Katarski. I am Andy Lennox. And our podcast is all about um, sharing those great little games that are good on the go, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, we're also a part, uh, proud members of the Dice Tower Network, where you can go to Dice Tower Network and find out. Dot com and find out about lots of, uh, lots of podcasts that explore the tabletop gaming arena from different angles so uh, check that out for for good content but let's get right into it because we got a lot to cover and our show is generally 20 minutes long so we want to keep it keep it trucking so uh, Andy why don't you go ahead and introduce our, our guest a little bit
1: Our guest today is Daniel Solis he is a game designer and graphic designer and uh, Daniel why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, dual your strange double <laughs> life that you lead
2: my my dual citizenship <laughs> um yeah i uh, i am a graphic designer um sometimes art director for tabletop games and that's my day job uh so uh basically what i do is i take all of the art and all of the text and uh and put that together to make rule books um, or make diagrams uh, and icons and that kind of thing, uh, so that gets added to cards and components, boards, boxes, that kind of thing. Um, so that's what I get hired to do. Um, and uh, it's, it's a great job, because I get kind of an early peek at a lot of cool games. Um, but also it, it's, uh, it's nice because I get to learn the rules sort of in, internally. Like uh, I take the basic raw text and some prototype diagrams, digest all that, put it all together, resynthesize it to something that's, I hope, much more easy to learn from, from the page. Um, and, and that's really my, my mission is to try to make things as easy to learn and play as possible. Um, and I've brought that into game design, uh, I hope. Um, so all the games that I that I design and, and release are uh, very quick, uh, easy easy to uh, introduce and easy to teach, but hopefully have a lot of emergent strategy and gameplay.
0: That's very cool. So so just to give people a little idea, what are some of the some of the games that you've done graphic design on that you that you've helped out on that end? Uh,
2: the biggest one actually is out of the um, and most of my work is actually in role playing games. Uh, so the biggest role playing game that I, that I've been working on recently was uh, the Firefly role playing game um for which I've been on I've been on that line since uh, since it started and the the biggest thing right now is the core book that just um, that is about to come out. Uh I did the layout for that, um did all the art direction so I recruited artists and and uh, coordinated all of them to make sure that everyone was on brand um and uh and I laid out like this 300 some page book. Um, with the help with with the help of uh Thomas Dini um who uh, who was very very helpful and and kind of wrapped up some loose ends here here and there but uh yeah that was that was a big undertaking and uh but but aside from that in the board game uh sphere i've done some work for Evil Hat Productions so i did the layout work for uh, uh Zeppelin Attack which is coming out it just was on Kickstarter recently um and Race to Adventure uh which they kickstarted I think 2 years ago and and came out last year uh also did a couple little odds and ends for them little little pins and and merchandising stuff um uh, but i'm uh, i've also done work for mass market uh the the new design for the for the uh dice box um oh, I, cool. I uh there's a new design coming out and that's gonna be on shelves probably later uh, later in the year and so i, I did that too it's, so you know it's kind of it's all over the place everything from small to big um mass market to indie it, it's all good i like it
0: my uh my wife, uh, we, we were at a game store last year. It was actually free comic book day last year, and we just stumbled into a game store in a new town that we were in, and, and we saw something you worked on on the shelf, and it was a role-playing game, and uh, it was Project Ninja Panda Taco. Oh yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and she was like, "I think we need this," and I'm like, "Did you just tell me that we need to buy a role playing game? Like, I, I've never played one, and I never thought I'd hear those words." And then I opened it, and it said, "Graphic design by Daniel Solis." So I'm like, "All right, we're buying it. Let's do this." And we have yet to play it, but it's a great yeah. looking book, and I can't wait to 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 give it a try, just because it's that one shot kind of quick quick yeah. game. You know, that seems like a lot of fun. So Brian
2: Patterson did a really good job on the art on that. Yeah, he, he's really knocked it out of park. Good stuff.
1: So, how did you get into game design? You talked a little bit about your graphic design stuff, but like, what comes first—the the game design or the graphic design—or or were you a gamer first? Were you an artist first? Uh,
2: I was. I was always a gamer um, first, but um, and, and I was going to school for graphic design, so the two kind of happened at the same time, really. Um, and, and even at an early age, I had trouble reading uh, rule books and understanding really the the, the emergent gameplay that uh, comes out of them. And I think th- from that um, sort of a sort of disadvantage, I guess uh, I saw ways I could I could fill in the gaps and try and try to make honestly just for myself just make some games easier for me to understand by just taking taking them apart, drawing little diagrams. Oh, this feeds into this. This feeds into this because I'm very visual in my in my learning style, um, and. And that's kind of what segued into doing little things like redesigning a character sheet so that it, it, it worked more uh, ergonomically uh, for a character class I was playing or something. Um, oh, hey, my, I'm playing a wizard, so I probably need more space for spells than I do for armor. So I'll, I'll just redesign this character sheet. Uh, and that's how it started way early on. And, uh, and from there, i made contacts with um, indie role-playing game uh, designers um, like Greg Stolze and, uh, and, and folks on other forums and uh, I was very fortunate that they gave me a shot to lay out their early books and based on that uh, resume, uh, I was able to uh, reach out to other larger clients and uh, that 's how i 've sort of made my way um, into this into the whole business and I should say i've only really been doing this full time for about like two years everything everything from college up to, up till before then was really this part time weekends evenings kind of thing because mm-hmm. my main job was in advertising. So, like, this isn't something that you can... I mean, some people do, but this isn't something that was, like, my full-time job for for years and years and years. This this is a very recent development. Cool. Cool.
0: Yeah, congrats on making it your full-time gig.
1: That's really exciting.
2: Thank you. So you said
1: you really strive to make games easier to understand, and and this show is about tiny little filler games, which you can't... You can't (laughs) have a filler game that's not easy to understand. So can you talk a little bit about, like, how how you, you make a game easy to understand, how you make a game easier to... digest yeah
2: um well so the one thing i've I've discovered very very quickly is that no set of rules is short enough that someone will miss a rule (laughs)
1: like i i I don't even want to know how many games i'm playing wrong right now
2: (laughs) i know and they're so small you know um but but like so for example uh I, i wrote a blog post about this i had been playing martian dice totally wrong um and that is as easy peasy as you'd want to get like that that little rule sheet is just this little scroll and most of the rules are on one side of that uh, of that little scroll and uh, but yeah i I was getting one little rule wrong because i had i had um I, i figured it out too it was because there was a line break in the middle of a sentence i misread a rule by skipping one or two words and so i had been playing it completely wrong uh, and it was only in reviewing the, those rules later on like like a year later that I realized oh hey wait this this was. This game that I thought I was playing is actually still pretty good. I, maybe I'll put that on the back burner and make something out of that. And actually play merchandise correctly from now <laughs> on. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's that's the kind of thing I I, I always try to be, uh, bear in mind is is that no matter how short or succinct or, or, or whatever uh, your rules are, uh, the brevity is not something that will make it easy to understand. It's the presentation that will make it easy to understand. Um, and and towards that end, uh, I've sort of develop um, bit, little bits uh, here and little techniques here and there that, that help with that. Um, part of that is actually aided by um, my limitations on drive-through cards uh, because they focus only on cards. They don't do rule books. Uh, all of my rules have to fit onto uh, standard size two and a half by three and a half cards. And I've had to figure out, all right, how can I best format my text and presentation so that I don't have people necessarily like flipping cards back and forth just to understand the rules. Um, And so I've done little things. I wrote a blog post about this too. Um, Basically I put, I put every single rule as, as one card and elaborate on that rule with examples and diagrams on the flip side of that card. And I number all those cards so that you can read each rule in the order that it's supposed to be uh, presented in. Um, And, and so that you can read them all in one stream. And then if you need to, you can flip over that card and then find further elaboration on that with visual examples. Um, And that. You know, that's, that's just one little rule of thumb that, I, that I've uh, learned, and it's something that's specific to my format of games. When I'm doing rule books, it's a little bit of a different thing, but generally the principles are the same. Just Just repeat rules in different ways, and especially draw attention to the ones that you think will be most likely to be missed.
0: That's cool. Yeah. You kind of break them into these, these chunks and, and you're, you're reaching out to different learning styles that way with the visual examples and then just the, the red examples. Yep. So that's, that's, that's really helpful stuff.
1: So you're touching a little bit on um, some of the restrictions of the platform that you're publishing from, which is uh, like a print on demand platform from drive-through cards where you can't print rule books. You have to print all the rules on the cards. Can you talk a little bit about um, print on like drive-through cards and print on demand and what you're doing with that? Sure. Uh, so just to uh,
2: give the 10,000-foot view, um, print-on-demand means that uh, whenever you buy one of my card games, uh, it's printed on demand. Like, they don't have a big inventory that they've pre-printed of all of these games. They, they wait for orders to come in, and they print them at, at that time and send them out. Uh, so there's some advantages to that. One, my games are never going to go out of stock. They're never going to go out of print. Um, and there's some disadvantages to that because sometimes the the cost per unit is, uh, is a bit higher than it would be if I had done the traditional route and pre-printed like a thousand units and then sold them off over the course of, of two, three, five, 10 years. Um, I, I like those trade-offs, um, but one of them uh, that that I've actually really enjoyed is, is that it's kept me focused on cards and card games and the physicality of those cards and, and different ways to use them. Uh, and I, I really like that. It turns out um, the way I design games and the type of games that I design uh, really lends itself to the uh, the minimalism and the, and the constraint of just having only one type of component that that is in the game and that, that comprises the entirety of the physical presence of that game. Uh, so no meeples, no pawns, no
0: dice, even just cards. What can you do with that? And it turns out there's quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about about some of the games that you've uh, uh, been putting out yourself. I guess before that, I just want to give uh, Give you some props for for designing one of my favorite games that I played last year. I I absolutely love Bell the Ball. I, oh, I got you. to play at uh at Gen Con just before it was uh, launching on Kickstarter, and it's just everything about it is in my wheelhouse. From from Jackie Davis's amazing art oh, to yeah. uh, just this the simplicity and uh, amount of meaningful kind of choices in that game. Uh, and that's that's coming out from Dice Hate Me. So the the, the traditional publishing route. Um, do you? I want to hear about your other games, too, but like how has that experience been um different uh for you rather than kind of just kind of going you know doing your own art design <laughs> and putting them up on the the, the print on demand site uh, versus kind of working with dice Hatney?
2: um It's been great honestly uh the working tr- i I want to kind of make it clear that uh print on demand and traditional publishing are, are not at odds to each other honestly I, I really feel like uh print on demand is sort of the farm league for traditional publishing, like tr- traditional publishers, uh, some of them actually don't accept submissions if your game has been published, uh, print on demand or, or print and play. And I think that's a, that's a big, uh, it's a big oversight. Uh, that is something that, uh, I think, uh, Dice Hate Me has been really, really good about. Um, they, they, they don't mind. They actually really like it when a designer shows that they have enthusiasm for their project enough to actually put that game out there, test it out. Uh, admit its flaws and fix them uh, before they come to uh, Dice Hate Me. And of course Dice Hate Me themselves, uh, Chris Herkman and the gang, uh, they've been very good about about accepting submissions and then uh, tweaking them and refining them even further. And if it wasn't for uh, Chris's input, uh, I don't think Bell the Ball would, would be as good as, as it is now. Uh, Part of that is just sharing our resources and and complementing each other's skills so uh, he was able to hire Jackie Davis to do an amazing set of art um, and that was fantastic to to work with her and, and see the whole game come to life really based on her work. Uh, and and also we made some tweaks to uh to rules with play blind play testing that i wouldn't have been able to do necessarily with this with the kind of reach that that dice hate me does Uh, so that's been fantastic um but it's also been uh also we're kind of um tied to the vagaries of chinese manufacturing (laughs) so so we were done with the game you know months ago and it's been ready to go but the uh You know, we got to wait for the slow boat from China to get here. And and just so some things are much, much slower than than in the print on demand world. Um, And that's just kind of the the nature of the beast. Uh, If you want uh, if you want to operate on a traditional level with the numbers that a traditional publisher needs, you also by that very nature have to go a bit slower than you do as an indie uh, person who is just kind of putting out their own thing with a much more limited budget, but on a faster timescale.
0: Yeah, that's that's. There's definitely kind of the benefits and and drawbacks to to each each format. But yeah, they're 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 both they're both viable, and you're doing great stuff in both. So why don't you just give us the quick, like, <laughs> um, uh, like we're talking quick here, like elevator pitch, like sure. for each of kind of the games that, that you're featuring right now. Both uh, Bell, let's just start with Bell of the Ball, and then tell okay. us what you've got on drive through cards too.
2: All right. Uh, Bell of the Ball is uh, a game about socialites competing to invite fancy guests to their parties. Uh, it's a set collection uh, based on what I call uh, pay-to-pick, uh, which is the same mechanism that you may have seen in Morels or in Small World. Uh, it's uh, You've also seen it in 8-Minute uh, Empire. Um, it's it's a great drafting sort of buying market mechanism. I love it. And, and so I built a whole game around it with a silly theme around it. Um, really, Really approachable gameplay. I love it. Um and on Drag Through Cards, my probably my biggest game uh at the moment is Koi Pond, uh which is uh where which is a game where players are competing to build the most lovely Koi Pond in the neighborhood and become the envy of, of all other Koi Pond builders. Uh you collect really colorful uh fish and you deploy uh pests uh like uh, uh cranes and cats and turtles to nip at the fins of your opposing uh koi. Uh, And it's it's a very zen like flowy sort of game that uh, that that culminates in a very nice tight uh, experience that I I really really enjoy.
1: I gotta say, um, Koi Pond really I I love that game because it does have that very relaxed play feel. And like when you were marketing it on your Twitter and on various things, you said, "Oh, it's a very laid back kind of zen game." I'm like, "Yeah, but it's competitive, so you know, I'm how relaxing could it be?" But it (laughs) it does have this weird. I don't know, it's something about the art and just like the the pace of play. It's just a very relaxing game to play with with a bunch of people. I'm a huge fan of that game.
2: Thank you very much. I appreciate that.
0: I'm really looking forward to one of the new ones you've announced. Uh, I haven't got my hands on it yet, Mm -hmm. but it's the one about the penguins. Oh, game. yeah. Because <laughs> I love Dexterity games, yes. and it's just a, a stupid way to use cards, and I, and I absolutely am totally into something like that. So tell us a little bit about that one,
2: quick. Uh, uh, that one's called Tenpen. Uh, it is a game about penguins sliding towards a melting iceberg that is revealing frozen treats to eat. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so basically your your cards are penguins, and you uh, prop them along the edge of a table, and you kind of smack the – you kind of, like, spank the table <laughs> in this, like, weird motion. <laughs> But in doing so, you launch the card to, uh, towards the deck of, of treats, and that, that deck of treats is basically the iceberg. Uh, whoever gets closest to the iceberg will get uh, first opportunity to, to draft treats that are revealed from the iceberg. Um, so it's like this uh, dexterity drafting game, is, is kind of how I'm describing it. Uh, really cute penguins and really cute art.
1: 10 the game of penguin spanking. <laughs> Yeah, basically (laughs) no real penguins were harmed in the making of uh,
0: this game so one of the a couple of the questions we we just really like to get uh out of our out of our guests when we have them on um or first like what in your mind makes a good filler and then we we would like to hear from you like what is some of your favorite fillers a game that maybe you would like to recommend
2: Uh, what makes a good filler is getting a lot from a little um, like I want to be able to replay and and replay and replay a game over In and our over. Show
0: again. getting a lot <laughs> yeah. from a little. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it, that's
2: basically it. It's it's every every time I I, I bring something like Anomia or or um, I just recently started playing uh, Skull and Roses. Um, there, those are those are games where there's like two or three rules, but there's just so much fun and riotous gameplay that comes out of that, and I want to bring it out over and over and over again with a variety of people. Um, and it's, it's always a hit. I, that's, that's the kind of thing I look for in a filler.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Like re- really, good stuff. A little from a lot from a little. Let's get, yep. um, so, so Daniel, where, where can we find, uh, more information? Just give us the rundown. Where can people <laughs> read your blog that you've mentioned and buy your games and, uh, and kind of interact with you?
2: Oh, God. Uh, well, I'm everywhere. So, uh, first, first, first off, you can find me at danielsolis.com. Uh, D-A-N-I-E-L-S-O-L-I-S.com. Um, that's where I have my blog and I post about uh, graphic design and game design there, generally game design. Um, and on Twitter, I tweet entirely too much, so beware of that. <laughs> um, I'm at Daniel Solis there. Uh, I also uh, offer consultation services for people who want to get some input on their prototypes or graphic design for their games. I offer a Google help out. um, And if you just tweet at me, I'll I'll tell you all the links for that. Um, And I also have a a course on Skillshare about uh, designing graphic design for tabletop games. Uh, That's a video course of two hours of content that will teach you from bare bones to InDesign, data merge, how to design a deck of cards uh, from start to finish, the way the pros do. Um, and I also have a Patreon uh, that uh, where I release uh, bundles and, and batches of game icons to the Creative Commons, uh, and that's like a whole side thing too. I got a lot going on, you guys. I'm just. I'm... <laughs> I
1: love your icons. I am a, uh, a patron of the icons, so I will be putting <laughs> those to good it. use. <laughs> good. <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, thanks
0: so much for, for coming on and chatting with us about everything that you're up to. It's, it's cool to see people that are just just uh, getting out there and really contributing to, to the gaming community that we love so much. And looking forward to playing more of your games and seeing more of what you do. And especially looking forward to your big uh, Bell of the Ball release that's coming in the next uh, month or so. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, thanks for tuning in, listeners. Uh, I am jason and you can find me on twitter at jason kotarski i'm at andy lennox and that's at andy underscore oh, Linux, yeah. right <laughs> okay so let me i'll just take care of you here buddy <laughs> thanks, um and it, we just want to encourage you guys to continue to share our show and maybe subscribe at itunes and help uh, connect people to these uh little games that uh offer a lot with a little so thanks so much see you next time